So you've spent weeks putting together a new product. It might be a course, a physical product, it could be anything. Now you're ready to get it into the hands of the people who need it. What next? Maybe the magic launch fairy will smile on you. Perhaps you might even have a functional plan, but often not. This week on the podcast, I'm really excited to welcome Krista Ripma to the show. Krista is the magic launch fairy, and she helps people like you and me stack the odds of a successful launch in our favor. So, hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community. You'll find a link in the show notes or just head over to amplifyme.fm. So welcome along and let's meet Krista. So this week, I'm thrilled to welcome Krista Ripma to the show. Krista not only has a name that rhymes, but you live in probably the nicest place on the planet. I'm so jealous. Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I feel the same way. I feel we just moved here to Santa Cruz less than a year ago. And for the first time, I think in my whole life, I feel home. And I feel that I live, I do live in paradise. And I'm so grateful. <laughs> but I feel like Scot- uh, Scotland's probably pretty amazing as well. It is too. I think you become immune to the to the good qualities about where you live when you grow up in a place and you, you may feel like that about where you moved from it's so easy to neglect actually the awesome things about where you do live that's so true that's so yeah. true i'm feeling very grateful to be where i am especially during covid and during lockdown um to be able to go outside and walk to the beach and all of that it's been it's been a blessing yeah i have a beach too but you have to get wrapped up in plastic before you go to <laughs> especially right now so krista why don't you start by just by telling the listener about who you are, what you are, and the kind of work you do? Great. Yeah. So I'm Krista, and I am a digital marketer, launch strategist, sales coach, um, all things helping you connect with your audience is what I do. So voice, messaging, Facebook campaigns, social media, webinars, launches, whatever it is that you want to share with your audience, that's where I come in and help guide that process. I've been doing this for quite a while now, um, and I started this company four years ago, and it's called Authentic Audience, and we work with really amazing people doing really amazing work in the world, super talented, super gifted, but have no idea how to market themselves, and that's where I come in. So I really help nurture and build that relationship with your dream customers and dream audience. So it's a lot of relationship building and connection, storytelling, all that good stuff. And it goes really well. I love what I do. So for anybody listening, there was a lot there and there's a lot to unpack. But the thing that gets me the most excited is I speak to a lot of people, a lot of experts in lots of different things. And digital marketing is awesome. You can reach anyone, anywhere. You can build your personal brand. You can build an audience. You can reach out and touch people anywhere. But in many respects, that's quite easy. And lots of people tell you how to do that. And a lot of people work really, really hard to do that. But they actually sell nothing. They don't make any money. So combining that with an actually, okay, it's great. 
you can do the marketing, but how are you going to turn that into money? It's really the difference between the um, preparation of the fields and the cultivation and the planting of the seeds. But if you don't harvest, what's it all for? And I think a lot of people will listen to that thinking, yeah, how do we turn all that activity into outcome? And that's what I, I guess I kind of want to hone in on it a little bit today is the launch strategy side of things. Because for the listener who hears the word launch and it doesn't really mean anything to them, and we forget how many people that really is, what does launch and launch strategy mean for you and your clients? Yeah, I mean, what a great what a great question. I'm so glad we're focusing here. Um, so for me, a launch is bringing something new into the world or opening cart, opening enrollment for like an online course, a membership, a platform, even a new podcast. Anything new coming out into the world requires its own strategy. And a lot of people just want to announce something and then expect a bunch of people to sign up. And Maybe the first time you launch something that will happen, but ideally if you want to create something sustainable and successful in the long run, you're going to need a strategy to go with it. And a lot of people just don't know where to start. Like I have this thing, I want to launch it into the world. Maybe it's a digital offer, a product, a course, a service, whatever it is, an event that you want to get signups for and you don't know where to begin. So that's what I focus on. I usually work in 90-day sprints. So for a really great, successful, amazing launch, I like to give it 90 days from like warm-up through launch. And it goes really well that way. Um, we can get really, really focused. Um, I think focus is like really a superpower. And with the launch strategies, um, launching anything can be so overwhelming. Not only on your business, but on your emotional, on your personal. We have all these issues that come up. Who am I to be doing this? We've got imposter syndrome, self-doubt, like the ego just goes wild. Um, and so a lot of what I do is coaching people through that resistance and giving them a very clear roadmap to do the thing, launch the thing. Um, every launch to me has like a three-part approach and that's warm-up, um, which has to come first. So we got to get people really, really excited. We need to warm people up, drive them to some amazing value where we can start to actually collect data on who might be interested in our product. From there, we warm people up even further into um, the launch. So then we have the warm up. Usually we have the launch, which is a big event or a live webinar or something really exciting that we can really share our value, share education, information, content, all of that great stuff, talking to our ideal client, our ideal customer. And then we have the actual launch window itself. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I do. I spend my days somewhere in that 90-day launch strategy with most of my clients. So lots of people will have tried launching these things independently. And mm -hmm. I speak from personal experience. Mixed results are quite common. You hear some amazing stories about people launching with no experience and just setting the world on fire. I think there's a combination of myth, lying, and... Um, Oh, there's a really smart word for what I'm thinking of here. I can't remember <laughs> what it is. Um, the outlier. 
that sort of freak occurrence that everybody looks at and thinks, well, that must be normal. But it isn't. But there's a difference between winging it and following a map. It's like if you're trying to get to a destination and you think, well, it's kind of over there and you stumble or you can look at a map and you can go, well, I have clear directions now. I know where to go with a degree of confidence. What are the biggest or most common mistakes that you see people make when they are taking the first approach, when they decide, I'm just going to have a go, I'm going to launch something, see what happens. Right. I mean, I think that that's so common. And also when you see those um, outliers or those freak occurrences, chances are they've tried launching something like five times and failed, but that's just not what we hear about. Um, Chances are they've spent a lot of money, invested a lot of time in building their audience and doing these sort of things um, to get the offer out there. And so that's sort of a bummer in my world because I have people that come to me and they're like, I want to do a six-figure launch on the first try. I'm like, well, um, with an audience of 500 and no email list, that's not realistic. So we need to set realistic expectations as well for ourselves and allow something to grow, you know, slow burn, if you will, over time versus just one big peak and then nobody ever comes back. So the biggest mistake that I see is taking somebody straight from awareness to purchase. So the marketing experience or the buyer's journey is awareness, consideration, purchase. So if you think about any time you've ever bought something, you become aware of something, then you consider it. Depending on how um, much you like to do your research, you'll price it against competitors. Um, you know, I'm, my husband's looking for a car right now and his, his consideration phase is very lengthy. I'm a little bit more impulsive, but there's always a consideration phase before you make a purchase. And the biggest mistake I see is there's no warm-up, nobody knows it's coming, nobody might even know who you are, and then you announce something, you try and run a bunch of ads straight to sale, straight to purchase, while completely missing that consideration phase. And that's where marketing really gets fun because during that consideration phase, somebody knows who you are, they're interested, they're here, you have their attention. This is where you get to build the trust earn loyalty, position yourself as the expert, share value, education, information, really make sure that it's like a win-win situation both ways because you want your clients and customers to love the product, service, offering, whatever it is. We're not trying to dupe anybody into buying something that isn't for them. So when we create these products or offers, we have somebody in mind, or at least I hope you have somebody in mind that you're creating this for, you're solving a problem, you're enhancing somebody's quality of life in some way. And we need to share with people why and the benefits of this and the transformation that they'll experience and just taking somebody straight from oh my name's Krista and I have a I have a you know I'm I'm in marketing to buy this thing without me getting to show you why you should trust me why you want to listen to me why you want to buy from me and give your energy time and money to me we're really missing out on a huge opportunity there so the longer you can spend in that consideration phase the more purchases you're going to see at the end and loyal returning happy engaged clients and customers which is really what we want I have two questions out of what you were speaking about there. The first one, because it's in my head and I remember it and I've written the other one down so it's safe. (laughs) So the first one is, imagine you're in the situation, you must come across this all the time, that somebody's launched 
to what I'm going to call kindly mixed results. And they're sitting there with their head in their hands and they're thinking, I've done it. I've, I've launched and it's gone nowhere. I'm doomed. I'm going to have to walk away and become, you can fill in the blank because um, <laughs> I don't want to mess anybody up. But you think, OK, I've, I've, I've screwed my launch up. It's done. I'm, I'm a broken person forever now. I can't launch ever again because everybody knows I'm a failure. How do you move past a failed launch to relaunch, I guess, is my question. Because I think a lot of people must have, have had an abortive launch, but you have to find a way to do it again. But I think there's a lot of practical and emotional issues there. A hundred percent. So much of business is so emotional. It really is. And so personal, especially when you're your own brand or, you know, you're an entrepreneur launching your own service or art or gifts into the world. But two things. First of all, nobody knows that you failed. Nobody, (laughs) nobody knows that nobody signed up, right? Unless you tell them. So one, you can say the first launch, I learned so much. I'm super excited to make changes, make upgrades, whatever. And you can sort of take that path, which a lot of people do. And you don't have to share that no one signed up. You don't have to share that it was a complete failure. But what I would do is share it and that's where the authenticity and the transparency and honesty i think comes in no one signed up for my first launch i learned x y and z this is what i did wrong this is what i did right this is who i'm trying to reach and i'm gonna go for this again and actually share that journey with your audience um also if you launched congratulations because so many people don't launch so also you can call it your beta launch you know you launched a beta version it didn't go well we're going back to the drawing board we're launching it again it's all in how you deliver it and it's all in your attitude and the more honest and the more authentic and vulnerable you can be um honestly the more trust and the more I think excitement there will be around the next go around because people will be rooting for you. So those are sort of my pieces of advice. You can um, take it or leave it. But at the end of the day, like I tell my clients, remember when you're on a webinar, you can see how many people are in the room, but your your attendees can't see that number. They don't know if they're one of 500 or one of five or even just one person. So regardless, if you can change, affect, help, heal, um, change the lives, transform the moment for that one person, that's all we need. And a successful launch to me is one sign up. Like you get one person that is happy, that goes through your experience, whatever it may be, and has an awesome experience, they're going to tell other people about it and it's going to go from there. So I always tell my clients, get one customer, launch the thing. So if you have launched and you failed, you're so much farther ahead than so many people who are too resistant and finding a million reasons, oh, I don't like the color of my logo or whatever that nobody actually cares about because they're too afraid to launch the thing. So if you have launched something and it hasn't gone well, you're doing amazing. And how you handle that, how you talk about that, how you move forward from that, there's so much we can learn. The biggest thing too I see when somebody's discouraged, they're like, well, I launched this thing and nobody signed up. And I said, well, how many times did you share about it? And they're like, well, one time I dropped one email or two emails. I'm like, okay, 
you need to be so excited and scream from the rooftops and hold that space for your dream customer, for your dream client. What do they need to hear? What do they want to feel? How can we make them feel seen? It's not about you. It's about making your dream client, your dream customer feel seen um, and want to work with you, want to connect with you. We're not trying to dupe anybody again if the service isn't for them. So the average customer, depending on how expensive your offer is, needs to see something seven times before they make a purchase. And the way the algorithms work these days, I mean, we're lucky if 10% of our audience or more is even seeing our content at all. So we need to be posting, sharing, LinkedIn, um, email, Facebook, Instagram, wherever your, your highest engagement is, almost daily during our launch period, sharing value, sharing information, Um, to really make sure that that dream client feels seen and held and has the space to sign up. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but there's always something more you can do. And chances are you didn't warm up your audience. They didn't know it was coming. Um, They didn't have a long enough consideration phase and you didn't post enough, share enough. If you're not screaming from the rooftops how excited you are about something, I just launched this launch guidebook. It's $44. I have been sharing about this thing for the last six months. (laughs) So by the time it actually came out, I made 100 sales in the first day because I have been so excited, screaming from the rooftops, warming people up, asking questions, taking polls, posting behind the scene work of me doing it. And there was so much resistance for me, which is why it took so long. Um, But at the end of the day, by the time I launched it and then shared about it so much, everyone was so excited for me because they felt like they were on the journey with me. That was such a good answer. And there's so many places I could go from there. But I want to ask my second question, which was, if I go sit on an Amy Porterfield webinar or a Pat Flynn webinar. Everybody knows who these people are. They don't have to prove it. They have years of testimonials and social proof coming out of the walls. But when little old Bob Gentle rocks up with a webinar, and I have probably more than most, let's just imagine you're launching something for the first time. You have no pedigree or reputation in this space. What advice would you have for somebody that's really launching without that much of a track record? How can they maximize that opportunity? A hundred percent. That's a great question. So I would make a list of your cheerleaders and your cheerleaders are the people in your world, whether it's colleagues, friends, family, spouses, cousins, whatever it may be that fully support you. They see you. They're excited to cheer you on. My mom is like my biggest cheerleader. And when I first launched my company, when I first launched the podcast, she was sharing it with everyone. She was sharing it with her work colleagues. She was sharing it with her family, with my aunts and uncles. And Literally, that was my first, her friends, some of her friends were my first clients, were my first listeners to this day. One of their friends is still a really big client of ours. And I think these cheerleaders, these people, make a list of these people that you have on your plate, maybe past clients, people you've served, people that you know are in your court, and share with them what you're up to and how they can support. The nice thing about doing a webinar is it's free. 
So where it gets a little messy or maybe complicated or sticky is if you're asking people to drive traffic to something that costs money and they're like, well, maybe you should pay me. And that's a whole nother thing. That's affiliates, which I highly recommend as well. But before that, we have our cheerleaders. And if you are launching something, if you are launch, launching it or announcing it with a webinar and you really believe in your offer and you know that if you can just drive enough traffic to this webinar, then you'll be able to sell whatever it is that you want to sell, then scream it from the rooftops to the people who know and love you most. Make a list, personally reach out to them. Thank you so much for supporting me on this journey so far. I appreciate you because specific, specific, specific. I'm launching this thing. I could use your support. Give them all the information that they need. So any link, any copy, any photos, whatever it is, make it super, super easy for them. It would mean the world to me if you shared this with your audience, with anybody you think might be interested, etc. And send that to 20 people. You will get the signups because there's no better there's no better feeling too than having our cheerleaders in the webinar. Even invite them. Say, I'd love to have your energy there. I'd love to teach this to you. I'd love to share with you what I'm doing. So start with your cheerleaders, your personal contacts, your VIP circle that you've created over the years. And if you really sit down and think about it, there's five people right now that you could reach out to with whatever it is that you're doing that would totally either connect you with somebody, support you, give you advice, share with you, and really look at that circle with who's on your plate. How can you nurture them? How can you remind them how grateful you are? And just ask. This is the best way you can support me in this. Please share. We're so afraid of asking for help. We're just like we're afraid of asking for the sale. And maybe someone won't email you back, but who cares? 20 other people will. So start with who is on your plate and ask them to share. Ask them to tag somebody who might be interested. Ask them to post it on their LinkedIn channel, whatever it may be. And that's the first thing I would do. If you want to spend a little bit of money, you could run a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or a Google ad um, to your live event, to your free event. It's a lot easier to get traffic to something free and valuable than to make a sale. And you'll also get their email address. So anybody who signs up or registers, you can then personally email them, book a call with them, um, whatever it may be after the fact and build a relationship that way. So those are my two pieces of advice and you don't have to spend a lot of money you if you have something valuable to share and your webinar is going to be amazing and you just want to get traffic there there's some you know amazing big audiences out there that are really cheap to reach amy porterfield's being one of them um and you can literally serve an ad to her audience saying hey i'm teaching this thing come join me and you'll see a good a good return that way as well so those are my two pieces of advice, depending on if you want to go roots or if you want to spend a little bit of money. I love it. And I think what you really hone in on there is you better have produced something that you're willing to put your name behind. And that's that the most important thing. That yeah, is yeah. the most important thing. I'm assuming right now that you have something great. That's the first thing, because marketing cannot make your product offer service better. It can only get it in front of 
more people, the right people, the people that you want to reach. So oftentimes people want to come to me early, early on before they've beta tested, before they've launched anything. Nobody's tried it and they want to dump like $10,000, $20,000 in ads. And I stop them and say, okay, first you need to spend that money on beta testers. Get feedback. Spend the first money on making your product better, on making your service better, more user-friendly, more sophisticated, anything um, that's going to help your end customer, help user, end user have a good experience. Because at the end of the day, like maybe we'll get it in front of people who will buy, but if they don't have a good experience, they're not going to tell other people about it and they're not going to come back. So first and foremost, I'm assuming that you have an amazing offer, an amazing product, super valuable, uh, whether it's educational, whether it's entertaining, um, all of these different things we look at that that create value, that enhance somebody's quality of life in some way. Like my Dyson vacuum is a perfect example. Like you don't have to be, you know, healing people. My Dyson vacuum has like completely changed my quality of life. Um, And there's a lot of programs and offerings and products out there that do that for people. And you better believe in it, um, that it does just that. And that's, yes, I'm so glad you said that because that is first and foremost, um, where you should start and authenticity wins these days i know you interview people on the podcast your podcast all the time about businesses that they love and focusing on these sort of four good um missions and people catch on people care where their money's going so you've got to have that sort of authentic intentional approach to it before you want to get it in front of hundreds and hundreds of people well authenticity is what i wanted to speak about next because a lot of people especially in the uk it's maybe not quite such a problem in the us but it probably is actually people maybe just don't admit it as often but a lot of people don't show up online because they lack confidence and that sounds really simple so i need to unpack it a little bit there people talk about authenticity a lot online all the time but they don't really unpack what that really really means there are some amazing role models out there there are people that i look up to online and a lot of people equate that with being i need to be like those people i need to look like those people i need to talk like those people i need to act like those people i need to present as those people and so there's an awful lot of people do one of two things they either turn up as caricatures of these role models or they don't show up at all. And people who actually show up genuinely as themselves are really rare. And it can be shyness, it can be insecurity. I, I speak to my clients all the time. Sometimes they're really young and they'll tell me, oh, I wish I was 45 and I could be taken seriously. And then they're 45 and they think, I wish I was younger and I looked more youthful and more energetic nobody's ever satisfied with who they are where they are right now and so they never really lean into the personal brand that can connect with people because it's only your genuine authentic self that's going to connect with the people who really want you so what advice would you have for people i guess it's a bit of a rambling question but what advice would you have for people who haven't decided to really bet on who they are yet 
I mean, it's such a big question. I think you, you know, really hit on some of the answer just in what you're speaking to. But I think that the the short answer is this, and it sounds easier than easier said than done always, right? But your uniqueness is what separates you from everybody else. So there's so many marketers out there, Amy Porterfield being one of them. I have no idea what she's doing, what she's charging, what her, I've never even been to her website. I respect her. She has an audience. She has a brand. It's not mine. It's not even my business. And I have no idea what other marketers are out there doing. All I know is they're not doing what I'm doing. And there's millions of marketers out there to choose from. And my clients come to me not because, well, Yes, I deliver amazing results, but because they want to work with me, because of my unique approach, because of my transparency, because of my directness, because of my authenticity, my intuition, all of these gifts that make me me. So the first thing I would suggest that you do is write down your gifts. What are your gifts? This isn't an ego thing. Like we need to know our gifts, one, so we can lean into them, and two, so we can delegate things that are not our gifts. And if you want to start with things that are not your gifts, mine, uh, organization, not my gift. Operations, not my gift. Structure, budgeting, accounting, not my gifts. My gifts are people connecting, helping people feel seen, intuitively understanding messaging, things like that, which is why I'm so good at what I do because I'm leaning into my gifts. So forget about what other people are doing. I have no idea what other marketers out there are doing, saying, posting, charging. It's just noise. And there's this word that I like to use called um, toxic comparison. And when we compare ourselves to what other people are doing, it's such a distraction. It just completely derails us from our gifts, from our purpose, our dharma, what it is we're supposed to be doing in the world. And start by just making a list of those gifts. And if you really have a hard time identifying what your gifts are, ask your mom. Ask your best friend, ask your kid, ask somebody who loves you and sees you, ask, you know, anybody that supported you throughout your journey. Hey, what are my gifts? Like, what do I really bring? Because we need to be able to answer this question first so that we can lean into what makes us unique. You know, what sells right now, what's really working our methods, our custom approaches, our signature offerings, right? This opportunity you can't quite get anywhere else. I have a deep dive strategy session that I do and no one else, I can guarantee, offers that because nobody else is me. And so when you can really lean into what makes you you, what makes you unique, that's why people are going to be drawn to you. And also not everyone is going to be drawn to you. And that's actually really good for me when somebody comes to me and their offer is really vague or they're not getting specific enough or they don't know who their dream customer is, I'm like, well, this is a problem. Because when we're talking to everybody, we're actually talking to nobody. And you're not for everybody, you're for somebody very specific. And my clients that come to me, they're very specific because I'm talking to them. So those are the two things that I would say. One, lean into your gifts. Focus on what makes you unique. How can you create offerings, products, services, whatever it is that really showcase your gifts, your talents that you're you're here to share with the world because you all know that you're, you are here to share something in some way. 
And then the second thing would be to write a letter to your dream client, to your dream customer, because that at the end of the day is who we are in service to. And your business is asking you to be more you. Your business is asking you to share vulnerably. Your business is asking you to get in front of the camera. Oftentimes, our business wants us to step in front of our brand. And so I wake up every day and my two things that I'm in service to, one is my business, first and foremost. What does my business need from me? I am not my business. My business has an energy, a plan, all of her own. Oftentimes, she just needs me to get out of the way. And secondly, what does my dream client need from me today? And when we make it about being in service and not about us, it just becomes so much easier. My dream customer doesn't care what my bangs look like, what my highlights are doing, if I'm wearing glasses, if my eye is small today, I have a little eye, I don't like to post videos. My dream customer doesn't care. And same thing with my business. My business needs two things. My business needs money and happy clients. The rest is just noise. And so when I can be in service to my business and in service to my clients, it's a lot easier to show up and share and post the videos, write the email, do the thing because it's for them. It's it's not for me. I really, really like that. I've been busy making notes. <laughs> I love the idea of what does my business need from me today and writing a letter to your dream client. Those sound like extremely productive exercises yeah um, I can't recommend it enough truly like that was the biggest game-changing moment for me when I realized I was not my business and obviously I'm the face of the business I'm heavily involved in the business but my business has this mission this energy and I act as though I'm the messenger, right? I'm the mouthpiece. I look and sound and talk the way I do because that's what my business needs from me. And we're in partnership. So it's like my business and I are working together and it's not about me all the time. And we just make everything about us all the time. That's like the human experience. We just live in our egos and when you are in flow or when you are in service to somebody, I, um, you know, have taught yoga in the past or I'm a Reiki master. And when you're focusing on healing um, or loving on or nurturing on somebody else that's not you, it actually feels so good. And the more we can do that within our businesses, the easier it is to just launch the thing because <laughs> people need it. So something that you said there, made me think about something that's come up quite a lot for me over the last few years. And it really is the realization, and this is something that's caused me all kinds of issues, particularly in childhood, was if there's no purpose, you're not going to get me out of bed. I was never really motivated. And I think a lot of people will resonate with this, but a lot of people won't. They won't connect with this at all. And that's okay, guys. Some people are really only motivated by a mission. Other people are purely motivated by money and material things, and there's that's okay. But how important is it that your client's mission is aligned with what obviously is yours? You do clearly do have one. That's a great question. Our missions do not need to be aligned. What needs to be aligned is the intention behind it and the authenticity around it. So 
for example, um, I tell this story a lot, but it's such a good example. Uh, one of my, when I was getting married, I got a spray tan and the person, the woman who did my spray tan, she had like a four week waiting list. Um, she had like off the chart Yelp reviews and I was like, this is crazy. Like I have to go to her. I have to see what the big deal is. And she was so in flow by the, from the moment I walked into her space, I felt so taken care of. It was so clean. There was water and coffee, you know, every little thing had been thought of. She had dusted right away. Her, she had created her own powder, whatever it was. It was like an art to her. She put so much love into her business. I'm like, this is exactly what she's supposed to be doing. So whatever it is, it doesn't have to be this big purpose, this big thing that drives you. Her her purpose was to make people feel beautiful. And she did that through her spray tan business. So my purpose is not marketing. My purpose is to remind people of their light and help people feel seen, make people feel seen. And I do that through marketing right now, currently. So it's like we have these bigger purposes, these things that we love to do. And then the what's and the how's, they can change. But our why doesn't really change. I do this in my relationships as well. It's not just business. It goes beyond business for me. And I think whatever it is that drives you, whatever your mission is, As long as you know what it is and you fully believe it and it's intentional, so it's, you know, in it for the right reasons, for lack of a better word, you know, it's okay to want to be abundant and financially successful. We all want that. But at the end of the day, if there's an intention more than that, um, more than ego, more than to be seen, validated, financially successful, and it really is to create something that enhances people's lives, changes their experience, transforms their moment, whatever it is, um, it's going to do so much better. So I'm less attached to what the mission is and more attached to the person and if they are intentional and authentically true to whatever it is that they're telling me their mission is. If they're walking their talk, I'm in. And my clients right now are just across the board, do so many different things. I started out only working with people who were um, yo- like involved with yoga, yoga teacher training, yoga teachers, yoga um, retreat centers, because I believed and I still believe the more butts on mats, the better the world, the more people breathing, meditating, the better. But what I've learned over the last five years is those people come in all different industries in all different offers, products, services. It's about the person and it's about how excited you are to do the thing, sell the thing, share the thing, promote the thing and reach that person that you really are here to help. So that was sort of a long-winded answer, but I hope that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Where I want to go now is Instagram. I can't possibly not ask you about your Instagram feed because (laughs) it's just awesome. I mean, while you were talking, I scrolled back to 2016 and it's just one of the most beautiful Instagram feeds I've ever come across. And I want to ask you, how do you make that happen? Because it doesn't happen by accident. Uh, it, it, there's just no way that your world is consistently this gorgeous, which is fine. Maybe it is. Uh-oh. But what does your Instagram workflow look like in order to consistently show up on Instagram as you do? 
That's a really good question. And and first of all, thank you. Um, it's changed a lot over the years. And I honestly just post whatever is working or happening or feeling or moving through me. So I share a lot about mental health. I share a lot about spirituality, relationships. I don't just share about business, obviously, um, marketing and business and, you know, radically honest marketing is something that I like to scream from the rooftops and share. But when it comes to what I post, there's a couple of things. One, if I'm going through a moment, there's a lot of people that like to vent or bully or dump baggage on on Instagram. And to me, there's a big difference between authenticity and transparency. And I think when we do have an audience, regardless of the size, we have a responsibility to them. And that goes back to my gifts that I talk about. So in all of my posts, I try and share three things, authenticity, intuition and truth. That's it. So I ask myself, does this post have these things? And if it doesn't have those things, I'll wait. And I do share about um, anxiety and panic attacks, but I don't share in the moment. So I've had, you know, I've been burned in business. I've had falling outs. I've, I've run into burnout. And I've had really, really hard experiences over the last five years six years um, that you were scrolling back to, but I don't really want to dump that on other people. So I wait until I've sort of moved through the experience, moved through the moment and have this maybe lesson or aha moment or epiphany or something of value that I can then go share. You know, when I, I took this yoga class once and this teacher came in and basically just dumped her baggage on everybody and I left the room feeling terrible and that's not how I want to leave my audience. I want to leave them feeling inspired, connected, and most of all, seen. Um, so how can I make this person feel seen? And usually it's by getting really vulnerable and sharing the hard thing about a panic attack, about a business experience, about not feeling worthy, about burning out, things like that. So in terms of the photos, I mean, I'm very lucky. I live in California. And so the place where I live and... I love the beach and my husband and I sail all the time. We're really big sailors. So in terms of visual aesthetic, um, it definitely does have that beachy, nice feel. But when you get into reading the captions, I do hope that people see beyond that. And I have tried over the years to post more real, more, you know, in the moment selfies without trying too hard to make it look a certain way. Um, and I do feel like I do a better job of that on my stories. Um, on my Instagram stories is where I, you know, just will post and, you know, I'll sit at my desk and I'll just share something that's not been edited or doesn't have subtitles or, or whatever it is. But I think it's something I'm always asking myself, too, is like, is this an authentic representation of me and my life? And I've had people meet me or hire me that have followed me or listened to my podcast. And they're like, I feel like I already know you. And it's the exact same. Like, I, w I wouldn't ever want somebody to meet me and be surprised and be like, oh, I thought that, you know, your life was so much different than this. I want it to be an accurate representation. Now, that doesn't mean I share everything. There are things that are very sacred to me in my marriage and my spiritual practice, but I do share things that I feel will uplift and inspire and connect with my audience and honestly it's the hard moments it's the panic attacks it's the burnout it's the anxiety it's the 
um, feeling unworthy in business that people relate to the most. If I post something really exciting and and a launch or like something new, it actually gets less engagement than the more heartfelt, vulnerable posts. And and I've always been that way I think people have asked me like how did you become so like open and I've, I've always been that way it was it wasn't learned for me in fact I'm learning to speak less and, and listen more and not share every little thing in every little moment um, that's really my lesson because I'm definitely an oversharer and in the Instagram world that's rewarded in in many ways so yeah, yeah. now as an oversharer I couldn't possibly go without making use of the fact that you told me that. And (laughs) it's called exploitation. I apologize. I don't apologize. (laughs) I'm curious to know because I know that your business is successful. I know things are going well. So I'm curious to know what was your biggest screw up in business that that you're comfortable to share? Because for for me, it's often looking at the hard lessons that you learn the most from other people. Oh, so many. I mean, I can, I'll share two, I'll share two quick ones just in the last year. I screw up all the time. The biggest one that cost me a lot of money is I tend to get external validation. Like I am sort of hooked on this like external validation where I need somebody else to tell me and see me that I'm, that I'm great and amazing without actually feeling it myself. And that's something that I'm obviously working on because I do have a successful business and I know that intellectually, but feeling that is a whole nother story. And sometimes I'll get these really big clients that I really look up to and want to work with and they make me feel seen. And so I avoid or sort of ignore the massive red flags in front of me. Because I'm like, my ego is just like, oh, this person wants to work with me. So instead of charging my value, I'll go above and beyond. I'll totally kill myself. I'll end up getting into like a super imbalanced, toxic, weird, manipulative situation with this person because I look up to them so much and it's hurting my business and it's hurting me and I don't see it until so far down. And I've had people ask me like at the after the fact when things inevitably go horribly wrong, um, when was the first time you felt a red flag? And I'm like immediately from the beginning. And so I, when I ignore red flags, things go terribly wrong. I lose a lot of money. I lose clients. It doesn't end well. I can see abusive behavior, but I feel like I'm the one that's going to change them or I'm the outlier or I'm the, you know, exception to the rule. And it's all ego. And I've lost major clients, major contracts and a ton of money um, for the business multiple times by taking on these projects, clients or offers that are so not right for me. Um, Going back to that intention, right, or authenticity, but because somebody's quote unquote famous or really successful and I feel seen by them, I will ignore those huge red flags of they're not in it for the right reasons. This is not authentic. This is not intentional. But because I'm like feeling so seen and like they are choosing me to bring this to life, I ignore that and it inevitably goes very wrong. And I think I'm going to I'm going to pull out of that as well for anybody that didn't quite get it. 
that when you take on a client like that and you see these red flags and you push through anyway and you think, I'm going to make it work, it's your other clients that end up walking away because yes. you're consumed. Everything suffers. Everything. Everything suffers. And I would like to think the last time I learned this lesson was the last time. And I wish I could get more specific, but I cannot. Um, <laughs> but I will get very specific in a screw up that recently just happened because it's just like we we mess up and I think we need to be able to share about it. And again, it's all in how we handle our, our mistakes that I think actually show our true colors. And this is a quick story, but I had... Um, I have this client who I work with regularly. I absolutely adore her. I've helped her launch. I've done all this work with her. She sends me gifts. Like we're quite close. And I gifted her on one of our sessions access to one of my courses and completely forgot that in module three of that course, I totally rip her website apart as an example <laughs> of a bad website. So she was very unhappy, wrote me this whole email, and I was trying to do the nice thing by gift it to her now, just to defend myself a little bit, when I had pulled her website up, I had actually planned to use it as a positive example. But when it got to the point of what I was sharing and what I was talking about, I was on a live class and pulled her website up. It didn't have what I was actually sharing about. So I had to flip the script last minute. And that just showed me, one, I needed to be more prepared. Two, I'm very honest and direct with things that resonate, with things that don't, with things that are working on websites and not without actually really thinking about, well, what if the person was watching this or hearing this? So her and I, I, I obviously took all accountability. I apologized. I got on the phone with her. I said, I'm so sorry. Honestly, it wasn't that bad what I said about the site, but that's not the point. And um I learned a huge lesson in this. Like I should have been more prepared. I should have known where I was going on the live call. And I should absolutely ask people beforehand if I can use their websites, whether it's positive or negative, um, in my live courses and in my live classes. So it was a huge lesson for me. I ended up giving her a free couple of calls. I apologized profusely. She had a huge experience in speaking her truth to me. So it was all good. Um, but just mortifying I mean that was never my intent you know it's just mortifying when we screw up mm. and I think we really just need to lean in and own it and apologize and just <laughs> ask for forgiveness because it's just so sad when we mess up and I think we like to sort of you know victimize ourselves or blame someone else but in that situation I was the only one to blame <laughs> well thank you very much for sharing Krista you mentioned your launch what do you call it again my launch guidebook yes yeah tell me about the launch guidebook because it's coming out really soon it's out it's here it's out. um it's here it is everything it is so when i was planning my wedding i found a bridal checklist and i'm not like a bridal type so i followed this religiously um, during the whole wedding planning experience and that was two years ago and I decided I'm going to create this for uh, people to launch. So it's a 90-day launch plan. Um, every week you have a checklist of things to do leading up to your launch. There's a post-launch plan. There's my templates. My perfect webinar script is in there. Samples, sales pages, my tools, 
my everything really that I would give you to launch and it's for $44 and I just feel that everybody needs access to these tools and if you just have a clear roadmap and you have a checklist you won't be overwhelmed you'll have a clear weekly focus i have launch affirmations in here because mindset is truly everything and so much more it's got my social media calendar my email schedule the ultimate webinar bundle all of the things and it's definitely the best way to sort of dip into my world my strategies my tools and my methods and i'm just very very proud of it it's a long time coming and my goal was to create a guide that was accessible for everyone regardless uh, if you have a hundred thousand followers and a massive email list or you're just starting out um it's totally for you and you also mentioned to me just before the call that you're doing some sales training soon. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Because sales training is my favorite thing. Yes. I mean, coming back full circle to the very first thing you talked about is you can market, but if you can't sell, we've got problems. And that's what I've learned this last year is we got to lean into selling. It's this like taboo conversation. Oh, I don't sell. I don't do sales. It's like, well, okay, if you're not making sales, you don't really have a profitable business then. So we need to reframe, debunk, and lean in to how to sell authentically. So I'm actually partnering up with my mentor, in business and in life who's been in sales for over 30 years and he's just totally amazing and we're gonna give the ultimate authentic sales training it's happening on March 16th it's free to join and I'm super excited about it because this is the first time I've like publicly done something related to sales and selling I do a lot of coaching one-on-one -on -one, but I haven't like stepped out as like I do this. I'm a sales coach because there's such taboo and weirdness around the world's world sales. And we got to change that. Money is good. Abundance is good. It's all about the intention and where you put it and who gets it. And we got to we got to make money for our businesses. So, um, yeah, it's how to how to connect with your customers and, and make that sale every time. I will be there and I'll yes. put it in the show notes. I'm so excited. Yes, it's going to be really good. We've been planning this for way too long. It's another one of those things that we should have launched six months ago, but timing is everything. <laughs> yeah. Krista, I always end with the same question and I don't give you any warning and I make no apology for that. Uh-oh. Sorry. What's one thing that you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Baths. <laughs> <laughs> self-care you're not talking hygiene related baths no i'm talking self-care i'm talking quiet time i'm talking making my health and my self-care a priority i would have burned out a lot less and i would have been a lot more successful in my relationships and personal life if i had started taking care of myself and baths have just like totally changed my life and i can't recommend it enough for anybody uh water is so healing and i just started taking baths in covid i was like i don't like baths. baths are boring well if you sit with yourself and love on yourself and listen to a good meditation or a good podcast or a good playlist and just be quiet for 20 minutes um i wish i had started doing that a long time ago i was one of those people that thought being busy and stressed out was cool um, and it's not. Self-care is cool. So <laughs> I wish I had slowed down and really put it, put my health and mental well-being, um, you know, at the top of my priority list a lot sooner. 
Well, as a longtime math fan, I welcome you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a game changer. Krista, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Sure. Everything's on our website. It's authenticaudience.co.co. And I'm Krista Ritma on Instagram. And those are the two places you can find everything there. The guidebook, one-on-one calls, the podcast, uh, lots of free freebies and things like that. So that's where I live. <laughs> Krista, you have been an awesome guest. Uh, I've had a great time. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. I really appreciate that. Me too. You're the best. I'm super excited for this to come out. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Getting good at anything and launching is no different is going to take practice. You need to fail and be okay with that before you'll find success. But getting a little help from someone a little further down the road is never a bad idea. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already, join the Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media and many of you do. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. If you do, message me and let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks to Krista for giving us her time this week and to you for listening and see you next week.